0: Welcome to episode 210 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the race to the NRL finals and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 210 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, rugby league. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Week. X, V, I, I of lockdown. I don't know. I've lost count. Lost I'm count. Going yeah. into new Roman numerals, I've mm. lost count of the number of weeks of lockdown.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Dr. T, it's like I'm trying to work it out. What is longer, the NRL season or the New South Wales lockdown? Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or Phil Gould's rants before uh, a State of Origin match? Yeah, it's, Phil Gould's It's hard rants. to tell. Yeah, no, yeah no, no. Is, I, I love is. those rants. I love those rants. Um Look, yeah, it's a it's a difficult one to tell. Uh, it feels like it's been going forever, and uh, it has not. It's been oh, what is it? Is it five weeks now? I think it's it's at least five weeks. Yeah, that we've been yeah. doing this, and and definitely at least four weeks more. So, mm. lot to look forward to if you're in Sydney. Yeah.
1: And the case numbers are not necessarily going down as they're supposed to be so it, it it looks bleak but look uh hope everybody's hanging in there i've got to say first of all uh, you know obviously you know not just uh taking care of your health physically but also um you know having a bit of what banter or or something just to lighten the mood i think is always a good thing as well all right
0: that's right and i think look one of the things if i'm to if i'm to say anything before we move on to nrl about the government I think there's been a bit of mixed messaging here I think I mm. think the uh, and some I think what they need to do rather than sort of tell people we're trying to get to zero cases or you know minimum number of cases before we can open up restrictions and get back to normal I think what they need to do is to tell people look what we need to do is to move from number of cases per day being uh, Melbourne's for and against to number of cases <laughs> a day being the Tigers for and against or something like that. Yeah, or is something it, like that. Something yeah. like that. The Bulldog, we just, yeah. We just need something that people can resonate with. They don't understand these numbers, but if you tell mm. them we want to get to, you know, the Titans uh, the Titans score on the weekend, you know, or, or whatever it was, something really low, you know, <laughs> like that's what we need to do. Uh, I think people will resonate. But anyway... Um, Look, that's just us trying to be uh, light-hearted as you can be. It's been, it's very, very tough out there uh, in in Sydney, uh, mm. as a lot of people will, will be aware uh, across the world. We we went through this last year, but this is a the Delta variant, and so the Delta variant, um, you know, it's got a, it's got an ominous kind of Chuck Norris kind of yeah, or was that Delta Force? I'm not sure, but I'm, yeah, del- I'm hoping- Delta
1: Force and and Loki. <laughs> combined right yeah the variants it's it's, it's chuck uh, and, uh yeah and it's,
0: loki, it's so. chuck chuck loki that's what chuck it is
1: Chuck yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah look and uh, yeah so look we obviously have a, a bit of a COVID theme uh running through mm. today as well a uh, little bit there's a discussion coming up soon but shall we just launch into the six tackles yeah let's do it all right here we go with tackle number one the news update All right, so as I mentioned, there's a bit of a COVID theme running through the news this week, and there was a bit of a, well, a bit of a farcical situation in my view, uh, yeah. <laughs> with what happened on the weekend in round 20 of the NRL, where we had one game played, and then on, uh, on that was the Friday night game with the Roosters and Eels, and then, oh, sorry, it was a Thursday night game. Yep, yep. So th- um,
1: Thursday and Friday. Oh, sorry,
0: Thursday and Friday. Sorry, three yep. games played, yep.
1: Yeah, went okay, went okay. But then after that, uh, it just
0: fell apart a little bit. <laughs> Super Saturday uh, wasn't uh, wasn't on the mind of the Queensland authorities, and they decided to, uh, with the case numbers rising, they, they did, I think on the Friday, I think they did actually, yeah. uh, sorry, actually it was the Saturday, they went into a snap lockdown Uh, for three days over there in Queensland so here we are in Sydney talking about lockdown but in Queensland their their numbers are rising and they're kind of uh, not really aware of what's happening with some of their numbers so in order to curtail all that they they went into a bit of a snap lockdown for three four days and um, which I believe is about to be extended anyway as we as we discuss this now. And so what that did was they basically threw the NRL into a bit of uh, disarray because all of the Super Saturday games had to be postponed. Mm. Um, thankfully, it only got they only got postponed to the day after. So we ended up having a uh, a magic day on Sunday at SunCorp Stadium, pretty much, uh, including also a Monday game which uh, we haven't done for a while. So um, yeah. we basically made use of the available SunCorp Stadium to play as many NRL games as we could. Um, and basically all this weekend it ended up being yeah pretty much uh, every game except for one was at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, not necessarily scheduled to be that way but but that's what it turned out to be. So um, But yeah so look what this means though is that given there are things happening in Queensland where pretty much every NRL player is they're in a bubble of their own, just like the Tokyo Olympians are. In Tokyo, they're in a bubble uh, in their village or the relative villages that the NRL uh, are kind of situated in at the moment. But what this means is that they've got to abide by some new protocols, mm. um, which were agreed to um, on, on the weekend from here on in. So, uh, do you have any idea? So, what are they? They're the level four plus protocols. So, yeah. Um, do you do you have the latest on what those entail? Does it mean that James Roberts can't be anywhere near you? Is that one of the <laughs> protocols? Because <laughs> it seems like he's always involved. Yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's
0: not get into that. Well, but, yeah. Uh,
1: level four. Yeah, I've got. There is a. There is a uh, on WHO, which is the uh, World Health. There is a biosafety level four. Uh, Liverpool Plus might be something that is patented by the NRL. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Oh, so they made it up. Okay. <laughs> I, I, think, I think so, because, look, essentially what happened was uh, Queensland, um, they said that no sport, including professional sport, including football, will be played when they made an announcement on Saturday when they announced lockdown. Um, so that meant that all the games had to be cancelled for Saturday uh, because um, at that point, the NRL didn't know if they'll even finish round 21. Um, so they uh, apparently had to uh, send uh, messages out to all the clubs telling them that, look, uh, you need to get back to your hotel. Uh, you need to get back to to your hotel and everybody needs to, to be in their bubble and isolate it as we negotiate with the government on what we can do to sort of finish off the round. So that what happened on Saturday. Now, um, there are, like, look, different clubs were in different stages. Uh, from what I understand, I believe South Sydney were actually in flight to, uh, to their venue, and when they got off the plane, they had to get back on and fly back. Um, so it was it was, it was really quite, quite an emergency there for a couple of hours. Then uh, wow. PVL and Andrew Abdo, the uh, master negotiators, you know, uh, a lot better than Russell Crowe and uh, Nicole Kidman, but they were able to uh, – <laughs> I think it was their move. But anyway, that, they uh, they actually, yeah, um, negotiated with the Queensland government and then, uh, you know, introduced this uh, level four, uh, which which I think is like um, basically uh, – yeah, uh, very similar to what they have at the Olympics. You, can't, you cannot be around anybody but NRL, uh, NRL you know, people. Um, you know, so you've got to completely – Uh, I think you've got to completely isolate yourself from everybody and um, if they abide by this level 4 plus then you know the NRL can continue so they were granted um, the ability to play the remainder games at Suncorp Stadium uh, in front of nobody uh, which is what happened on um, Sunday and I think it was three games on Sunday and and, then three and two games on Monday so they got through it so the round is not lost so that was a great thing and um, I suppose they do have some new rules but yeah, what, a, what an absolute uh, nightmare. What a, what a situation to, to, to sort of uh, get themselves in. But, you know, I've got to say well done to the administrators of the NRL to be able to at least finish off the round. Um, and now just, just I think the from the fact that, you know, that a lot of people feel that they were blindsided by the Queensland government, you know, they should have been consulted before the annou- announcement was made um, you know, the fact that the NRL, I think, is pouring something like forty-five to $50 million a month in Queensland um, while the entire competition is there. I think they kind of felt that there should have been more of a, um, yeah, I think they, I have a feeling that uh, the grand final is not going to be played in Queensland anyway. I, I feel like the NRL might be uh, thinking of moving it elsewhere. There's talk that even um, it might, the competition might move all the way down to Melbourne, which is completely crazy if you think about um, what all the different states have gone through over COVID. And, uh, yeah, so I think this is um, – it's gone back to that fluid situation, right, where basically you don't really know what's going on until, like, you know, you just got to – now, we've got this plan for this weekend, but who knows by this weekend whether this plan will be in uh, effect. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, I suppose, uh, yeah, James Roberts, uh, he did not spark this. (laughs) <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, don't um, blame him.
1: Yeah. Don't blame don't. him. It's 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 to do. Nothing, to hear, but it's it's just the whole thing. So so Dr. Taylor like yeah, I want to get your thoughts. Do you think the um do you think the Queensland government should have consulted the NRL prior to announcing the lockdown? Or or do you think um do you think the NRL has a right to be angry about this, or do you think it's uh it's just sort of a, a bit drummed up by the media about the whole like conflict between the two?
0: Um, it's a tough one. I mean I on the one hand I do sort of think you know, it's not up to the the Queensland government to sort of discuss with all the key stakeholders mm. when when they make a decision like that if they if they make it because it's just it's it's up to the stakeholders to sort of be aware and be in communication with the government if they know yeah. that something's about to happen. Um, you know, and I guess when something has to happen urgently, it's it, it's pretty hard for them to sort of reach out to whoever the interested parties are and say, please yeah. please talk to us if you're concerned. Having said that, the NRL has already been engaging and enacting pretty strong level four COVID protocols. And, and my understanding is, I've just looked it up, four plus is basically it means that all teams are playing at one venue and will be tested daily. So it just means that there's an extra level of protection. So as soon as something happens, if anyone catches it, then they can quickly work out what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that's, I guess that's the most, uh, you know, and that's in addition to all the other biosecurity protocols that they, they enact. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I think they, look, Obviously, a decision was made, but then an exemption was granted. So I guess that's the situation. It's you wait for the government to work out what they're doing. Let them do it, and then if you want to complain about it, hopefully they'll they'll get to uh, they'll provide you with an exemption to the general rule as long as you abide by you know strict Mm. protocols. And I guess in this case it's a case by case situation. Like it's not like as if there's another billion dollar sport that's on at the moment yeah. <laughs> in in Australia. That that's it's pretty much the NRL and the AFL, mm. uh, and that's it. And there's no there's no one else really that comes close to the kind of the level of reach, and uh, etc. So I think, um, yeah, I think they they kind of did the right thing. Uh, I think Queensland had to do what they had to do. The government and uh, and I think the NRL, it's up to them really to sort of be on top of that and um, abide by the the rules, abide by the exemptions. I don't think they're unfair exemptions. I think it kind of, you know, they're trying to do whatever they can to uh, stick to the principles around you know, making it a, a bubble for the players and, and, and whoever they get in contact with so that, um, you know, and also playing them all at one venue minimises the risk because it means that they don't have – you don't have teams travelling all over the place. You can control where they go. You can just, you know, chauffeur them in and out of, of, of the dressing room as required. They're all in one bubble anyway. So, you know, you can work out at any given time if – if a Tigers player gets COVID and mm. that you can work out at what time they would have uh, interacted with who else, and then sort of isolate those people, get them tested, etc. So, you know, the, you get more control over things with the protocols that they've got. And I think, um, yeah, the NRL is, I uh, saw, and uh, yeah, basically Peter Volandis has thanked the Queensland government for allowing them to, to continue with those strict protocols. So, and look, when you when it comes down to it, look, apart from that situation we spoke about last week with the n- no fresh air allowed for people in in quarantine, or in and not even in quarantine, but in those uh, hotel balcony areas, which is a bit ridiculous. But that's that's our opinion. Uh, but you know, apart from that, the what the NRO is doing is is really just uh, you know a lot of it's common sense. A lot of it is about minimising the risk of uh, these people interacting with other members of the public, Um, you know, playing in front of no crowds, all sorts of things. There is, yeah, it's all about minimising risk. So I think they're doing the right thing. I don't think the NRO has any right to be angry uh, because I think, uh, you know, I think the the government has more important things to worry about than, you know, picking up the phone to, to ask Peter Volandis if they're okay with what their decision is. I mean, I think that makes no sense. Mm. I, I would rather know that they make their decision and then if the relevant stakeholders have a problem with it, they can then call the, the government and say, look, can we do something to for you to overturn that decision or to allow us to continue to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's my view. I think, look, again, it's, uh, like I said, COVID, is, it's still an undercurrent. Uh, there's an undercurrent uh, underlying theme here about COVID because we just can't escape it at the moment. Um, and once again, you know, before we, I know we joke about it, etc., but it is a, uh, it's a deadly disease and it's obviously we, we yeah. want to make sure that people are safe. So if hopefully everyone who's listening out there stays safe as well um, uh, as yeah. we're talking about this. And Um, but yeah, um, last thoughts about this, uh, Tish over to you. Well, yeah, I think, I
1: think what you're saying is exactly right. Like I think, um, you know, if you have this situation, you find that there are cases going up, you know, um, you don't see the minister of sport making the announcement, right? You have usually the minister of health because, you know, who's important to consult before you, uh, do it. It's not the NRL. It's actually... You know the, the the health professionals. You know the, the the health advice on what the best way it's moving forward is, not just for the NRL teams or the NRL players. Um, you know uh, for entertainment, but for the wider community, um, because the impact on the wider community is all you know. It's huge, right? So I think, um, yeah, and look, I think I think um, Andrew Abdon, Peter Vilander, recognise that. That's why. I think they've got all these, uh, you know, sort of plans in place to be able to move the competition and and do things um, that that they need to do to to make everything um, sort of work. And and so far they have been able to do it. So um, I think kudos to them. And you know, just just as hard as they try to keep the competition on, I think this is where the World Cup sort of announcement gets a little. Uh, sort of, um, you know, I think that's, this is why people get annoyed because you don't see the same level of effort in trying to make sure the World Cup is happening from the NRL, right? It's, it's, it's like, let's get the NRL going. They'll move heaven and earth. Let's get State of Origin going, move heaven and earth. But World Cup, no, sorry, it's in the too hard basket, which, which, yeah, which, which, I, which I don't think is, is what uh, people like to hear. So those are my final thoughts on, on, on that situation.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, we are talking about that last round that was pretty much a magic round at Suncorp Stadium. Let's get into the wrap and talk about those matches. So here we go. Tackle number two, the round 20 wrap. Right. As I mentioned, uh, there were a few games pre-lockdown that were played. Uh, The Roosters, uh, 28-0 against the Parramatta Eels. And I'll have something to say about that in a minute as well. Uh, The Tigers, unfortunately, going down to the Warriors, 18-16. The Broncos defeating the Cowboys, 37-18. Newcastle, 34 over the Raiders, 24. Uh, Melbourne. 37 to 10, uh, doing it easily against the uh, understrength Penrith Panthers. Uh, The Rabbitohs, 50 to 14 against traditional rivals, the Dragons. The Titans, 34 to 6 against the bottom of the table Bulldogs. And Manly, 40 Cronulla Sharks, 22. Now, Tish, uh, before I throw over to you, uh, to, to talk about, I guess, what so, were some of the highlights in your mind on the weekend. <clears throat> there was something I just need to mention. There was something that came out in the media, which is very, very interesting. Uh, there was a, some audio picked up of Clint Gutherson uh, saying some very, well, pretty much, um, well, swearing at one of his colleagues, one of these Eels teammates uh, who uh, who kind of mucked up a bit of a defensive effort there. Uh, and that kind of went, spread a bit over the media, uh, over the internet, over social media, I mean. And uh, very interesting because a lot of people picked up on that and said, well, this is not a good sign when you've got the captain basically uh, ripping into one of his colleagues. I just wanted your take on on that because in my view, I kind of think... Potentially, that is a, a red flag, a bad sign of a team that is falling apart. But potentially, it could also mean that it is the captain making a stand and saying, I'm not going to cop this anymore. Um, they've already had quite a few losses recently, haven't really been uh, doing very well. Uh, obviously, since Mitchell Moses has kind of uh, been injured, that hasn't helped either. Um, so they're in a bit of a dire straits at the moment because they're, as we'll talk about later, they're heading down the ladder a little bit. So I think potentially having the captain fire up at some of his teammates is a good thing. Um, obviously mid game, it's not a good thing because they lost 28 nil, didn't even score a point, but I think it could actually be the spark that they need to get, um, get the fire in the belly again. And and really, uh, you know, get back into it. And and uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think that when the captain acts like that, that he's lost them? He's lost his uh, he's lost his teammates, or do you think it's just uh, that we should expect you know someone to light the light the spark? And who better than a captain and someone like Clint Gutherson? What are your views on that?
1: Yeah. Well, look. I think. Um, yeah. Look, I feel like uh, this was captured. And then, so therefore people are talking about it, But but I have a feeling that it just doesn't happen at Parramatta. I think it happens everywhere. Um, you know, I did see Jerome Hughes kick the ball out on the full and then be very angry and upset at himself. So, um, you know, so I, I have, yeah, so I think, so that's okay. Now, what about teammates, right? So, look, it is difficult, but look, Clint Gutherson um what I noticed when he had State of Origin and when he played State of Origin and I was behind is that he was one of the most vocal... You could see how vocal he was trying to rev up the team. And because he plays fullback, you know, he has to do a lot of talking in the, field, on, the um, on the field, right? So now if you're the fullback and you're seeing where the gaps are and seeing where the attack is exposing you um, and you're telling players to move a certain direction, but they don't do that. Um, You know, how do you not get frustrated? (laughs) Right? Like, like, you know, particularly when you're captain and, you know, you feel the pressure and you know, you know what your team is capable of, um, but you just see people making bad decisions. You know, it's, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. Right. Um, And I think every parent could agree with that. You know, every, uh, you know, like, you know, when you see somebody doing something and, and you know that they're better than that, but then they still do it. And, no matter how many times you're trying to explain to them and instruct them, and it's in the end, it's affecting your result. I think I think getting upset is going to be natural and it's going to be normal. And um, you know, if if he holds it in, it probably will be a lot uh, worse uh, when it explodes. So I, I think it's okay. Like uh, I, I do think it's okay. And then look, I, I think together collectively, Paramount needed to probably talk about it a little bit, right? Um a similar sort of thing happened last year, right? This is a similar sort of pattern. Um, they were criticised for, for I think, by Peter Sterling last week of being, like, too predictable an attack and they need to be a bit more flamboyant. And then they came out and, uh, you know, they were very flamboyant, which didn't really hurt, the, you know, which kind of... So finding that middle ground is, is a bit difficult. Um, obviously, Moses isn't there as well, one of their, their key players. So... Look, I think although Parramatta, yes, it does look that, like they're spiralling down, I think there's still hope, you know. I, I don't think we should write them off. We've kind of seen this as well. Like, you know, if you have a really good run into the finals, then week one comes around. Um, it's a brand new competition, you know. So, um, you know, maybe this is the time that you could sort of um, take your foot off the pedal a little bit. Like, just be a bit, you know, try, try and... So I think, I think for teams that are guaranteed to play in the finals, uh, I think this period is very difficult to sort of navigate your way through. Uh, probably the strategy that I think works best is not necessarily having a week-to-week view, but thinking about what are all the different areas we need to improve on so that we it gives us the best chance to go deep into the finals. So do we need to rest some plays? Do we need to try some new plays? Do we need to um, strengthen our communication in, in defence? Um, do you know what is it that we need to to be able to do? Do we need to experiment with trying to kick more field goals because we realise that the games are getting closer into it? Like, yeah. there's probably going to be things like that that you probably want to do. And I think Parramatta probably experimented maybe a bit too much on the weekend, and that's what caused the result. So, but look, yeah, but but Clint Gutherson, I, yeah, I he's actually one of my favourite players, just the way he plays, and I think that. Um, yeah, I have no problems with him going off at a uh, another player in his team, um, like if, if well, it was
0: if it was deserved, I guess is if is it was deserved.
1: Saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think it was is necessarily like a tantrum or, you know, it's not like you know people like they're throwing their shirts and getting into a fist and, you know, throwing furniture around or anything like that. I think it was I think it was pretty tame. Like um, Craig Bellamy
0: gets more upset um, in the. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah. I think the difference is this was quite quite vocal and and yeah, involved a bit of cursing for sure and calling na- calling his teammate a name. And mm. it's not necessarily uh, you know the best thing. People don't like it when yeah when vulgarity is Compare that to what we involved. hear on Q and A sometimes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Are you talking about the uh, the the Parliament? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: parliament Q and A. Yeah, that, that, that gets pretty
0: that gets pretty fiery sometimes too. You know. Yeah, no, but they. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, I agree. I think um, he
1: didn't walk in with a burka. Put it that way. <laughs>
0: that's right. The sentiment, the sentiment was there though. That I think there was that frustration and uh, there's a look. Uh, I look. I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll Let's move on. But I think before we go, just, there is this thing that sort of does irritate me as a sports fan when, when uh, you know, players muck up. And maybe it's – is it a current generation thing? I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't remember this. I mean, I look at Tommy Radonikas as an example of of the bygone era of the toughness of league. You wouldn't have expected if, – if mistakes were made – you, nowadays, mistakes are made in all sorts of sports, basketball or football, soccer, whatever, and and often you know players sort of pat each other on the on the back or on the bum, and you know no on the head, you know no worries, chin up, let's let's move on, let's get on with it, um, and I just sort of wonder whether that's kind of it's a bit of a participation trophy type thing as opposed to a you know someone does need to rip into some players to get their head. Head out of uh, the, their backsides and play properly, you know. And I think this is probably, uh, I wonder if it's a generational thing that maybe, uh, maybe there are people out there that sort of prescribe to their older view of, you know, sometimes you just need to call a spade a spade and just, and just really fire a rocket up people and rather than just play nice all the time. And I think, I wonder whether that's, you know, we're at the age now, in the era now where there's a, there's a mixture of the old school. Players and then yeah. some of the younger players that are just used to never being told no, and yeah. and I wonder whether that's going to come into play in the, in the years ahead. But yeah, anyway, enough we've, about the Eels. We've,
1: we've we've overcorrected, like to going to care bear,
0: right? And, yeah, and now we're coming back to you know Hell's Kitchen. That's right. That's that coming up next, Gordon Ramsay is uh, host host uh, analyst on the footy show. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Don't talk to him about what kind of sandwich you are. Put it that way. You can look that up. <laughs> Google it and see what he says. Um, look, in terms of other the other games, I think the key in- interesting one for me was there's a couple of ones that were pretty closely, uh, uh, closely fought. And, and may have an impact on the finals. So Tigers and Warriors was one and Knights and Raiders, uh, I think, another one. And also Manly and Cronulla was an interesting one. We're going to talk a bit later about what the mm. impact is on the top eight. But um, those are teams that, you know, coincidentally enough, uh, sort of fighting for a chance to make it into the top eight. Warriors and Tigers are kind of on the cusp of missing out entirely, but still can mathematically make it, I believe. And so there is still, you know, so that was an interesting one as well. Um, uh, You know, you've got quite a few clubs there that that can. uh, Dr. T, I don't know if you saw it, the play the ball.
1: So the Tigers uh, were There's five minutes to go. They're a (laughs) metre out from their line and they play the ball and there's no dummy half.
0: Wow! Um,
1: <laughs> so I don't think the Tigers deserve to be there as much as I am a Tigers supporter.
0: I thought you were um, going to refer to the uh, the ridiculous uh, short line dropout.
1: Oh, the short line, yeah, yeah. That that didn't help either, right? So
0: <laughs> well, that so, actually yeah. led to led to that uh, try. Was that the end, or yeah, that was the,
1: co- that, that's in the end. That's the match winning try, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um,
0: oh, ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so look. Um, yeah, look, look. I think the the finals are supposed to be for the teams that are like good at winning, um, <laughs> and I don't think I don't think you could describe the Tigers and the Warriors like that. Um, but there's probably all the other teams that are in the hunt. You could you could probably say the same thing about all of them as well. So that's it's going to be interesting when we look at the you know who's who's trying to run into the top eight and who some of the contenders are and. Uh,
0: yeah, which, we, so. which we will soon, but before we do, do you want to have a a, a say on any other highlights on the, on, on the game this weekend?
1: Well, look, the I think the other big one is the Melbourne Storm um, mm. absolutely demolishing the Panthers on Sunday. Um, grand final replay, and I know there's no Nathan Cleary, I know the Panthers have um, their set of injuries as well, um, but uh, you would have expected a much closer scoreline, and you know, um, it's it's interesting how how far uh, you know. I think I think this is I think this round was a bit of a wake up call for Western Sydney. Um, so Parramatta, Penrith, uh, the Tigers, and, and probably the Bulldogs too. It was a wake up call for all of Western Sydney because uh, you know uh, all the COVID hotspots are actually <laughs> those LGAs, and they oh, all no. lost this week. <laughs> <laughs> they all lost week this weekend too, right? So wow. Um, yeah, I think a bit of solstice, for both these clubs. I wouldn't ride Penrith out, I, and you know what? I, I don't think i could, uh, we could really ride out Parramatta as well. There's still a long way to go. Uh, but I think at the moment, it's it's probably the adjustment they needed to have. Uh, as in, like this is not going to be a cakewalk into the park. You know, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to play really, really well. Like you know, our best games are in front of us, not behind this sort of thing. Um, and we've got to be able, we've got to be prepared to uh, win with our defense and win by grinding out uh, victories. Because um, I think the Panthers kind of showed that they yeah, it was a bit more, they tried a bit more style over, I suppose, grit and, and it kind of cost them. So yeah, a very interesting round in the NRL and uh, looking forward to how the season's going to play out till, towards the end of the year.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of which, the theme of today, apart from COVID, is uh, the race to the finals. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the very interesting little dynamics that are happening at the moment uh, that will shape what the top eight is going to look like. So let's start with uh, tackle number three, where we talk about the race to the JJ Gilton and Shield. Here we go. Look at the moment we have seen a very clear break in uh you know in so what 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 are we at at the moment? Let's just see in, in the ladder, we've got the Melbourne Storm, the Penrith Panthers, and the Rabbitohs as the top three uh, top three teams. So we've got basically. The Storm on 36 points, Panthers on 34, and Rabbitohs on 34. The points difference is really, really interesting because we've got basically um, the Storm are at plus 465, which is absolutely astounding. Um, the Panthers are at plus 305, and the Rabbitohs are at plus 231. And a fair way back um, are the Eels on plus 189, uh, but they're on 28 points, so they're six points behind the Rabbitohs, unfortunately, um, and and so really, and so the Rabbitos have been a bit of a dark horse, haven't they? Because we we haven't really been speaking about the Rabbitos until very recently, as Premiership contenders, they've been thereabouts. But usually, we've been talking about Storm Pandas, and to some extent, even until recently, we were talking about the Eels. So the Panthers have come out of no, uh, so the Rabbitos have come out of nowhere to now feature in the discussion. They are literally one win away uh one win and, and a little bit away from uh the the minor premiership the JJ Gilton and Shield so yep. tish what are your views like there there is it's still an open race i think between those three teams you never know storm could falter um all it takes is uh, one 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 or well they'll need two poor games because even if they lose um next week and both panthers and Rabbitohs, uh, you know, claw, claw their way back into the level pegging, they've still got to overcome a massive difference in the points differential for and against where the Storm are way ahead there. So I think it will require the Storm to falter twice from now until the end of the season, which is very unlikely. But anyway, that's my view. I think it's the Storm's to lose, even though they're only one uh, one game, one win ahead. Um, they've still got uh, the, the likelihood that they'll falter twice, to get the Panthers or the Rabbitohs over the top of them, I think is very low. Tish, what are your views? Who will win the race of the minor premiership?
1: Yeah, well, um, well at the moment, like, so I did hear this statistic, and um, which is the Melbourne Storm actually ha- hold the record for the biggest points differential ever, right, at 465 at the moment. So... And you don't expect that number to go down. You you probably expect it to go up a little bit the more they, they sort of get towards the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, now, interesting, the that's of all time. The second highest team ever is actually the Penn Panthers this year as well, <laughs> right? <laughs> At 3-6. So that gives you an idea. And um, uh, in, uh, look, 2020, it's very hard to, because it's only a 20-round competition, right? But, um you know the minor premiers in in uh, in twenty nineteen was uh, it was the Melbourne Storm with four losses. Uh, the, uh, the year before that was the Sydney Roosters with eight uh, losses, uh, and then it was also Melbourne Storm in twenty seventeen with four losses. Um, I think it was the Sharks the year before they might have had they had five losses, right? So and uh, yeah, and then you know six losses. The Rabbitohs—they've only lost three times and are sitting in third place, right? Um, this far into the competition, any other year they would actually be the minor premiers. So that's how in far in front these teams are at the moment. They, mm. you know, if if the other two teams were not there, they would actually be the minor premiers. It's 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 so uh, so in a way they're kind of all deserving in that part. Um, but you've kind of seen the storm. Uh, quite handsomely beat the rabbits i think they beat them by almost 50 this year and i think um but i think the rabbits also beat them if i'm not wrong in the first round I could be wrong but then yeah and then the panthers as well um you know going down to the storm just this weekend in a quite heavily loss so i think i think you're right i think the storm is the favorites um but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a lock yet i i think that um you know, they only need to lose twice in the other two teams to actually like not lose at all for them to actually uh, be overtaken, and and the Panthers and the Rabbitohs are both very capable of doing that. Um, the Rabbitos at the moment, I mean, their score lines that they're putting on teams, uh, you know, they scored fifty again this weekend. I think the previous week they they scored sixty, so they're in a real mood, um, and. You know, you kind of think that they, uh, you know, I don't think they have too many hard games coming up. So, yeah, look, all three are alive. I, I, I'd give it to the Storm because I, I don't know who can beat the Storm. Um, but uh, you know, but but that's probably where that's at. Uh, but but yeah, probably probably um, probably in twenty twenty one, the team that ends up being third in any other year would have been the minor premiers, which is which kind of shows you what type of competition we have at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's absolutely lopsided and it has everything to do with these rules that we've been complaining about all year, um, no doubt. Um, this, But it's look, it's made for an interesting battle for the top. Um, unfortunately, I think, uh, yeah, in my view, I think the the Storm with... Uh, look, we've got four games to play. One, two, three, four. No, we've got five, five games left to play potentially although there may be some... I don't think there's any buys left. Um, Yeah, it would be very interesting to see how we go. Uh, The Storm have an interesting sort of uh, race ahead. Uh, They've got... uh, I don't believe they they face any of these... Well, they face the Eels. um, And, uh, yeah, out of the possible contenders, really they only face the Eels coming up soon. So... um, uh, although, yeah, this weekend they, they face the Seagulls. So, look, the likelihood of them dropping two uh, games, given what they've got ahead, is, uh, like I said, very low. But anyway, um, so, yeah, th- let's see how we go. But at the moment, it looks like it's the Storms to lose. Um, let's move on to tackle number four, where we talk about the fate of the Final Four. Here we go. Tish, so the other sort of race that, that happens at this time of year is the race to get that second, well, to get a week off. No, no, sorry, not to get a week off, to get, <laughs> let me say that again, to get a second chance. And you only get a second chance in this uh, finals setup when you make it to the top four. Yeah. Uh, and the reason is that the top four teams play each other with uh, no one being eliminated in that first week of the finals and then the bottom 8 uh, the bottom 4 of the top 8 so teams 5 to 8 play each other where those two games are going to be elimination games so right from the get go if you manage to make it to the top 4 you are pretty much guaranteed of uh, surviving another week. Uh, unfortunately, what has been the case for my Eels in years gone in recent years has been they make it to the top four and then go out in straight sets because, uh, you know, they, they lose momentum or whatever. So I fear that that's going to be the case this time around because, uh, you know, they've got – look, at the moment they're sitting on equal fourth with the Roosters. They're only uh, head of the Roosters by, well, it's it's around 43 points for and against, um, which in five games that could easily, you know, in in one game that could easily be overturned Mm -hmm. in one round. So it is by no means, uh, you know, a foregone conclusion that the Eels are in the top four. Uh, They will be battling to, uh, to head off the Roosters, and also the Sea Eagles, who are admittedly, although they're four points behind them on 24 points, they're the only other real contender for that fourth spot. And the seagulls have had some very, very good uh, games recently, very good momentum, and they're playing very well. So they are probably the only other contenders, I would say, for that fourth spot. We are, we do need to mention, obviously, yeah, there's still the chance that the Rabbitohs and the Panthers could drop some games. Uh, Here and there, but let's not forget Panthers and Rabbitohs are three games ahead of uh, the Eels and the Roosters and I think given there's five games left, it's very unlikely, I think, that we're going to see those two teams drop that many games and, uh, you know, and the Eels and the Roosters gain that many games over them, so... It really boils down to, in my view, eels, roosters, and sea eagles. So, Tish, who are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about who are the real contenders for that fourth spot?
1: Well, um, you know, you brought up Parramatta. They do have the Rabbitohs this week, um, who are, obviously we just (laughs) talked about third. Mm. Then they play the Sea Eagles. So the Sea Eagles, and uh, I think that game is going to determine a lot about which team will actually hit the top four because obviously the Seagulls can win that game, that would uh, really put them in a strong position. And then, as you said, they then play... uh, Who they play after that? I'm pretty sure they play Melbourne, right? Uh, No, they got the Cowboys, so that's not too bad. Um, You know, no disrespect to the Cowboys, but yeah. But then they do have the Storm. (laughs) They do have the Storm later on as well. So those are three tough games uh, in the next five rounds, right? So so that's going to be... I think, yeah, so... And they've also got the Panthers as well, actually. So mm. um, they've only got one. They've only got one uh, sort of game for a team that's sort of outside the, top, uh, you know, uh, the top contenders at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, um, whereas you know the you know a team like the Sea Eagles who are sort of down, um, you know, obviously they play Parramatta, but they I think they also play the Raiders. They play the Storm as well, so that could also be uh, that could also be. Yeah, so that, they might just not have enough uh, as well to get there. Oh, they do get to play the Bulldogs, though, as well. So, um, And, the, yeah, they get to play the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. So they probably have two locks in there, but they are two games behind. So, yeah. So given that, I, I think, yeah. But then, um, yeah. So I suppose I suppose the, the, the team that's probably likely to get in there, then, is probably the Roosters, I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, because the Roosters are on equal points, right? So I think it's too far for Manly to get in. I think the Eels are a bit of a problem. Uh, who do the Roosters play for the remainder
0: of the season? So I've got that in front of me. So they basically play the Panthers this week. They then have the Ro- uh, the Broncos. Okay. So Panthers, followed by Broncos, followed they already by... Played
1: Dr- the, they already played the... Oh, they have the Panthers this week. No, yeah, not yeah, pan-
0: yeah, Panthers, Broncos, then Dragons. Uh, okay. Which is very interesting, and then they have the Rabbitohs and then they have the Raiders as the final game. So they look the way yeah. that's set up. That's basically tough game, easy game, tough game, easy game, <laughs> tough. You know, like that yeah, it's the kind of thing for the next five weeks. So I, I just that's not just, a lock for them either, actually, if you think about it. Um, no, so I think you're right. I think the Roosters probably had the advantage in terms of what's ahead of them. Uh, to to make that fourth spot um, uh, certainly that's a, if if I were a betting man I'd be putting my money on the Roosters even though I'm an Eels fan through and through I think they have it a lot tougher than the other teams I don't know if the Seagulls can make up that two game deficit mm. uh, but it remains to be seen I think um,
1: yeah this is rem- probably the
0: most interesting battle at the moment who could get into that
1: final I think I think I think the Rabbiters are there like I I, just, I don't see them. Uh, you know, at worst, they might finish fourth, but I, I don't see them falling outside of it. Uh, but I think, yeah, if you think about the Eels, have got a pretty tough run in, so as the Roosters, and probably the Seagulls too. They all have a pretty t- tough run in, and I think they all sort of play each other or, or kind of play each other, sort of thing. So, uh, yeah.
0: Well, the Roosters think- don't actually play uh, the Seagulls or the Eels
1: okay, okay, again
0: so. for the but remainder of the play- year.
1: They do play other top teams, there, right? So
0: yeah, well, they will play. They they will only play the Rabbitohs and the Panthers above them, and the rest are teams below them, and okay. fairly easy teams as well. So they've got, you know, they'll have Broncos, Dragons, and Raiders. So these are teams that, you know, if you're talking about and we're going to talk about them next, top eight contenders. These are teams that are within contention, but mm. um, have struggled a little bit. So, so there you go. Yeah. Guess. So, so again, g-
1: coming back to our thoughts originally, um, I think Gotha has every right to the <laughs> upset.
0: That was a very well, crucial yeah. game for them, right? It was, it was, and and uh, you know, <laughs> just as you were saying that, you know, the uh, the eels and the eagles will be a crucial game. This one is the one they just played. Was a critical one to sort of. Uh, it was a litmus test to see how they fare against another top four contender, and they failed. They failed to score a point, which is even worse than failing. <laughs> you know, you didn't even get. You couldn't even get a point, point. Um, and that sort of. I think that's that's why I sort of mentioned that because it, the the the, flag, the red flags are there that the eels are crumbling, uh, yeah. and and it's a shame because uh, the only reason that they're doing so, I think, is, uh, well, it could be fatigue, but it could also be the Mitchell Moses factor. Um, They're probably a bit lost without him at the moment, and so they need to come up with a very quick... um, you know way to kind of overcome that and and get some structure again into their side and into their mm. attack I was looking to Dylan Brown to do something but he's not really doing much at the moment uh to to steer the ship so it remains to be seen but look yeah um in terms of the top four another interesting race so look out for that and the final thing we need to mention is the the top the the race for the rest of the top eight so let's launch into that this is our tackle number five called escape the crazy eight. Here we go. All right. So, as I mentioned, we've gone through the race for the minor premiership, the race for the top four, and now we're on to talking about the rest of the top eight. Um, now, obviously, in contention for spots four to eight, uh as we said, eels, roosters, seagulls. And in addition to that, uh, so assuming that that, uh, those three teams, and I think it's safe to say that those three teams will definitely make the top eight, um, not mathematically, but let's just say more than likely that they will all make the top eight. So that really leaves only two spots left, but we have... Uh, one, two, three, four, look, five realistic chances where all the teams are level on 18 points. <laughs> yeah, They are a clear three wins away from the next best team, the Seagulls, at number six on 24 points. So let's go into the, the teams themselves and see where we go. So look, not surprisingly, given the lopsided scores, what we're seeing from every single team, that I'm about to read out that's equal seventh is a negative for and against points differential, which is yep. absolutely ridiculous. So those teams are, at the moment, the Titans, the Sharks, the Raiders, the Dragons, the Knights uh, – oh, I think that's it. Uh, did I miss one? No, that's right. So there's only five – there's five teams. So apologies. Uh, so those five teams are on 18 points. Below them, uh, mathematically still a chance. Uh, the Warriors, the Tigers, and the Cowboys on 14 points. So that's still two points behind, and I think that's eminently doable in with five games left. So it is, it is on, in my view. <laughs> These eight teams, any one of them could make the top eight, but we, we obviously are looking for the two spots remaining. And look... It's going to be impossible for us to go through, a, you know, what, what teams are they up against next? Who's got the easy draw? Who's got the hard draw? Because yeah. I think it's fair to say that this year has seen, apart from, you know, the situation where teams, uh, these teams are either going to be facing Melbourne Storm or not, it, it's pretty much a flip of the coin. Or, or maybe even the the Rabbitohs at the moment who are in, in white-hot form. Um, it's pretty much a flip of the coin. It's also very... Difficult to talk about the different permutations uh, with the the five games left. I think as we get closer to maybe one or two games remaining in the season, we'll definitely get closer to looking at what the uh, you know the games are and and what's likely to happen. But at this stage, to me, it's all about how likely are we going to see teams. Uh, get some momentum from now until the end of the season? Do they have any kind of injury worries? Do they have any players coming back from injury? Uh, all those kinds of things. And and just generally, who is in better shape than, than other teams uh, heading into this final five? And look, in my view, you know, at the moment we've got seven and eight is Titans and Sharks. And it's possible that it's going to remain that way. Uh, but. I don't think you can discount the Raiders and I don't think you can discount the Knights. I think the Dragons are going to struggle. I think they've been sliding for some time and they're going to keep going down Mm. on the ladder. So I don't think the Dragons will pose a threat to those. Um, And of the remaining teams, 12, 13 and 14, uh, I think, look, despite, you know... I did sort of say that the the loss of Roger Tuivasa-Sheck would actually potentially inspire the Warriors. Now, admittedly, they they were inspired by some uh, ridiculous plays by the Tigers in the last few minutes. <laughs> yeah. But look, a win's a win, and an ugly win is still a win. So the Warriors won that one, and they put themselves with the chance to to aim for that top eight. I think they've got a lot to play for and potentially they're going to throw everything at this. So motivation-wise, I can't see uh, anyone sort of uh, beating the Warriors for motivation. They want to get uh, potentially just push as hard as they can to get to the end and, and show that they've overcome some major, major obstacles this year. Uh, and once they get into the top eight, it is about pride and seeing how how deep they can go into the finals. So look, in my view, um, you know, Your Tigers look at pretty much got a chance as well, even though I'm not going to write them off completely. But from what I'm seeing, I think the Warriors have a bit of momentum. Raiders and Knights can surprise anyone, and Titans and Sharks as well. So it's quite a few teams there that could make uh, make it into that top two. Um, What are your thoughts, Tish, before we try and give our predictions for uh, who are those uh, two teams going to be that round out the eight?
1: Yeah. Well, look, I think what we have established is that Teams seven and eight are going to go into the final series with a negative win-win um, loss <laughs> ratio. Like um, at the moment, like you know, they've won eight games, but they've uh, dropped eleven, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and there's a few teams that are in that sort of category. Um, yeah, and as you, uh, the negative uh, for and against as well. Um, and they're kind of, like, falling in order as well, like, if you notice that too, right? Like, you know, um, apart from probably the Warriors with minus 129, you know, if they got a couple of wins, they would leap from the Knights. Well, that's about it, right? So that's kind of, like, the only one that's kind of not in order as well. Like, so it's kind of kind of interesting how all that plays out. So what I think is that, um, to be honest, like, if the Titans played the Cowboys, I, I really couldn't. Uh, it'd be a flip of the coin to figure out who's going to win. Um, similarly, if the Sharks had played the Knights or the Dragons play the Raiders or the Tigers played, you know, the, (laughs) the Titans or something like this, all of these teams, when they play against each other, usually it's a good contest. It's a really close contest. It's quite entertaining because, you know, their attacks might be great, but the defenses are terrible. The defenses are great and their attacks are, you know, they've all got like their pluses and minuses, right? Um... So it is going to be tricky. So, look, what I think if I if I go through these uh, individually, I think the Titans, um, you know, a lot of people thought with all the new signings they will make it to the top eight. You see that, but then you realize they don't really like to tackle; they like to attack, which is uh, which is you know which has been their downfall. The Sharks have this knack of sneaking into the top eight all the time, um, you know, even when they've not been uh, favored, like. You know, John Morris was able to get him to the top eight in the last couple of years when they've had, you know, uh, you know, a really aging roster and and as it turns out nobody really liked him anyway. <laughs> and now they've got Ben Hannon, right, who who like uh, you know, who's just a care t- caretaker coach. That's they're kinda of like that type of team, right? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. The Raiders were this team at the start of the year. We everybody thought the Raiders Will be a lock for the top uh, top six at least anyway, and potentially you know minor premiers potentially even in you know top four spot. So I and they're kind of coming good at the moment, right? So I don't think you can really rule them out as well. I think the Dragons are gone. They've actually uh, it's been uh, I think Ben Hunt's actually out for the year, and he's kind of their main player. Uh, the Knights got some you know players coming back. So they've still got a chance. And, yeah, the Warriors... Look, I think the Warriors, Tigers and Cowboys, I think there's too much for them to do. Um, look, um, as the Tigers support, I, I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we've got to play the Bulldogs twice still and we've got to play the Cowboys once. At least that's three games. Um, but but really, um, yeah, I don't think that's going to be enough. Uh, you know, they're going to have to beat the Sharks. They're going to have to beat the Panthers, which are going to be very hard games for them to win. So um, unless, unless the Cowboys... The Tigers and the Warriors win five out of their remaining five games, and the fact that they've only won six for the entire season, I think it rules them out. So I think, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna safe to say that it's gonna be Knights, Dragons, Raiders, Sharks, and Titans. I'd say it's them. Um, and who's gonna win? I'm not too sure. Uh, do you have a dice there, Doctor T? Maybe we could. Uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh look. It- is it possible to have an eight-sided dice? I don't think so. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But look, yeah, look, uh, yeah. So, so you're settling on who to make it in the final two, Titans and Sharks.
1: Yeah, look, without even seeing who's playing who and who's playing what, I think the Sharks have a knack of getting into the top eight somehow. So I'm going to say them, yeah. and I'm going to say that the Raiders, uh, the Raiders do have a, a team that's been playing finals footy over the last few years. Um, and I think they've got, I think they've got the personnel to get there. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that if they do make it, um, then they actually have a roster they could do something in the finals too. Um, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's gonna be the Sharks and the Raiders. I think they're the two that I can see. What about yourself, Doctor T?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm just having a quick look now because I, I kind of thought one of the teams that is a dark horse uh, doesn't seem to be playing any of the top eight teams are the Knights. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Knights, so have a listen to this for the run home for the Knights. Uh, They've got the Broncos followed up by the Sharks, followed up by the Bulldogs, then the Titans and wow. then they finish off with the Broncos. So, they so is that right? They played the Broncos twice. Hang on, wow. did I read that right? That's right. So they they're going to play the Broncos twice in the next four weeks. So I think, look, if I was a if I was betting, I would put the Knights up there as possibly not not even dropping a game. Um, those some of those crucial ones against the Titans and the Sharks will determine, of course uh, you know, uh, who who makes it into the top eight. But at this stage, you know, the Knights are sort of playing with passion and they're playing with uh, Ponga. <laughs> so um so they've got a lot of uh, a mm. lot of skills there and a lot of uh, momentum. So I think they've also got quite a lot of experience. I think people forget who they've got on their roster. Yeah, um, so they've got lots I'm, of
1: origin players and that's um, right. you know, Tyson Frizzel, the Saifi brother, so yeah, probably. Yeah, you're right. Uh, like when you actually look at their roster, they were also a team similar to Canberra, right? You kind of think that they could do some damage in the in the finals if they could get there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I wonder whether they they will actually. Uh, uh, they may not even drop a game, which which means if that's if that's correct, they may actually even threaten. Uh, well, no, they probably won't threaten the top. No, they, there'll be no way they'll threaten the top four. But look. Uh, but yeah, they, I, I think they're almost a shoo um, The only other team I think that's got a chance and has a bit of passion, and uh, although they've been a bit inconsistent this year, is the Raiders. I think they've got the potential to beat almost anyone, and I think they will be the most dangerous if they if they get into the finals on, a, on in a winning way with winning momentum, um, because once they they get past that first match potentially they you know they might see a uh, depending on where they they land they might see a an eels team that that has been demolished by the the storm in week 1 uh and could possibly go straight sets out or equally a roosters team that gets demolished in game 1 um, by the storm. So, whoever ends up fourth will probably, in my view, um, get smashed by the Melbourne storm. And if that's the case, then uh, someone in the bottom half of that top eight needs to pounce and take advantage of uh, of that demoralized team. And it could be the Raiders. It could be the Knights. So I'm tipping the Raiders and the Knights to get in there. So anyway, that's my prediction. Yeah. We'll revisit it later and see how we go. Well, um, well,
1: well, that's interesting. Let's just say either of those teams go in and then they will play the fifth team. Which at the moment is the Roosters could be Parramatta, but let's just say it's the Roosters, right? Um, Roosters and Knights. It's not a lock the Roosters will win, right? No,
0: that's neither right. will
1: it be if it's the Raiders and the Roosters too, right? So, um, yeah. So even though we've we've talked about a very lopsided competition, in the end, I think when everything sort of goes back, I think the final series is still going to be quite exciting this this year. Um, and I and I, th- and I actually attribute that to uh, the Sea Eagles because I think they were a team that nobody really expected to be there. But then, if you actually have a look at them, they also have the ability to pretty up to pretty much upset anybody in the uh, in the in the top eight as well, right? So yeah, going to be
0: going to be exciting times towards the end of the season. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our final tackle, which is the tips for round twenty-one. Here we go. So last week, unfortunately, we did not have very good (laughs) tipping rounds. Um, I got three out of eight. You got four out of eight, which takes me to 98 and you to 92. So you are catching up. And yeah. When I I was
1: doing this, Dr. T, I was like, thank God for the lockdown, because I think prior to the lockdown, I don't think either of us had any right. So um, (laughs) so, yeah, (laughs) so the lockdown kind of helped us a little bit. So yeah.
0: That's right. All right. Well, let's get into it because after all that talk about predictions, let's see if we can even predict one game ahead.
1: (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All
0: right. Newcastle Knights versus Brisbane Broncos. Uh, Look, I'm tipping the Knights for this one.
1: Yep, the Knights as well.
0: Raiders v. Dragons. Raiders for
1: mine. Yep, I'm going to go with you again. Raiders, I think, are there.
0: And I think we'll differ on this one. Eels versus Rabbitohs. I – look – my heart says the eels my head says Rabbitohs, but I'm oh, tipping the eels so what, what, what a say crucial you? game
1: for both yeah
0: look I'm gonna tip
1: the Rabbitohs, I think um <laughs> maybe it, it's interesting because like uh paramount have had tough games Rabbitohs haven't so it, it is gettable for 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 the eels but yeah uh, a tight one
0: all right uh, warriors versus sharks I'm tipping the warriors to continue their winning ways
1: and know I'm gonna tip the sharks in this one.
0: Roosters v Panthers. Uh, I think the Panthers, despite the fact that they're injury uh, affected, I think they will still beat the Roosters.
1: Hmm. Um, yeah. Let's go with. Let's go with the Roosters.
0: Oh wow! There you go. Well, yeah. Let's see. Um, Sea Eagles and Storm, I'm tipping an upset. The Storm will falter this weekend. The Seagulls okay. will win this one.
1: This is always a grudge match, right? There was like <laughs> That's I think, right. There was like four players set off last year, but I'm gonna tip the Storm. Uh, I think the Storm
0: will, will, will win this one. Bulldogs and Tigers. And look, I think the Tigers will win this one to keep their finals hopes alive. Yeah, Madge has got to keep his job. Brooks has got to keep his job so in the Tigers for mine. <laughs> and finally, the Titans and the Cowboys. So, look, I've I've changed my mind on this one because I thought I thought the Titans will go well, but I I think the Cowboys have the opportunity to upset them and uh, potentially throw a bit of a spanner into that top eight discussion we were talking about. So I think the Cowboys will win this one.
1: Yep, as I mentioned to you, Doctor T, I, I have no idea who's going to win this game because it's like um, so unpredictable. But I'm going to tip the Titans. Oh, uh, but they're not. Yeah, and no, I'll tip the Titans. It's fine. So. <laughs> so there you go. So,
0: Well, you need to catch up. I've I've done some risky ones there. So there we go. And let's see how good we are this weekend. Uh, but, yeah, it's been an interesting year, interesting discussion today. Thanks a lot, Tish. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and uh, enjoy your NRL footy this weekend. Uh, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. Tan. I'd like to thank everybody for
1: listening um, and but look, that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Tishan Doctor T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.